It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.06 on a Saturday morning, 71 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your garden. I don't care what you want to do. I don't demand that you have a beautiful landscape to call the Lawn and Garden Show. If you have one little house plant that you have a problem with and you want to know what to do about it, call me, 404-872-0750. Jim is in Dunwoody and joins us. Hey, Jim, good morning. Morning, Walter. Hey, man, what's up? Well, I was telling Ashley uh, yesterday and uh, this past week, I went out looking for a malorganite. Yeah. And uh, I swear by it. I grew up up there, and uh, it's, it's great stuff, as you have yeah, sure. said. And I'm having a lot of trouble finding it. Uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, uh, all the area stores from yeah. Dunwoody to Cumming uh, don't seem to have any of it. Yesterday, the folks at uh, mm. uh, Lowe's told me they were having a, a supply problem, weren't able to get it. So anyway, long story short, I have been able to find it at my local uh, Ace here in uh, uh-huh. Ace Hardware in Dunwoody and the Ace up there in uh, Cumming on Georgia 20 going towards Canton. But there seems to be a real shortage of it. I called Milwaukee people, and uh, they didn't get back to me yesterday, you know, holiday, Friday, et cetera. But maybe you know something about any idea about a shortage or anything? Actually, Ashley is waving at me. She knows something about this. What's going on, Ashley? So I just looked Malorganite up on Facebook, and they do have a message. They just posted 11 hours ago about the shortage, and the director of sales and marketing is just saying, our recent popularity has created a temporary product shortage, and the answer is that Malorganite is produced as a result of the wastewater reclamation process and is dependent on the amount of wastewater coming into the system (laughs) for treatment. So I I guess there's some issue up there. uh, Those people in Milwaukee need to start eating more. I was just thinking the same thing, Jim, that we need to be very careful (laughs) of what we say. Some people are eating breakfast right now. Not in Milwaukee, obviously, but (laughs) you need to be careful with them. The family program, right? Yes, exactly. But the people of Milwaukee need to get on the ball, more roughage for everyone, and yeah, we get our <laughs> Milorganite. I was not aware that there was any kind of, of a shortage of it, Jim. I was thinking that if you hadn't found any, I was going to offer you a bag that I have in the garage that you could have for oh, $100 or something like that if there's a shortage. Yeah, right, I'd charge right. you big bucks for that. Oh, I found, found uh, I think they still got six bags on the shelf here in Dunwoody, and I got two of them. So, uh. <laughs> Four now, everyone. Make a rush for the ace in Dunwoody. So yeah. basically, I guess that there you have it, Jim. Ashley, our intrepid uh, reporter, Milorganite reporter, has taken care of that uh, for us this morning. But I was not aware there was any kind of shortage. And, of course, there are other organic, slow-release fertilizers that you could use. Pike, of course, uses a Dr. Earth brand that's different materials, but they're still slow-release organic fertilizer nutrients. And then uh, you have the Hollytone, Earthtone uh, fertilizers as well. They're not made out of the same things, but the way they release the nutrients is about the same as Organite. Well, they're all, all that organ, organic stuff is, is really the best you yeah, can do. Right. So, and exactly. especially on my Emerald Zoysa, that Malorganite just perks it up like you wouldn't believe. Great. Well, Jim, it's great talking to you. Thanks so much for letting us know what's going on. 
Have enjoy your day. Thank you, Jim. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0726 is the number on Lawn and Garden. Let's see who we got here. Tim's up in Gainesville. And Tim joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, morning. Tim. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good, fine. What's going on? Well, thank you for taking my call. Listen, uh, I, I run a townhouse up here in Gainesville. I've got a small patio. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've always had pretty good success uh, growing tomatoes in pots. And I got uh, a big beef tomato, and I got a Rutgers heirloom tomato in pots. They're doing beautifully. They're growing nice. Uh, big beef tomatoes, uh, it's over seven feet tall right now. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, it's gone crazy. Um, it's a tomato tree right now. Yeah. And then the Rutgers is also up over six feet now. Uh, but there's plenty of fruit coming, lots of blooms. But the fruit that, especially on that big beef, I've had about four tomatoes come out, but they just don't seem to get bigger. Hmm. And I, I missed the conversation uh, the lady called in earlier about something about her fruit not getting big, and I didn't catch what y'all had said. Yeah. And I don't know if it has something to do with being in the pots or if I'm not fertilizing or fertilizing too much. Or, how, um, how, big of, how big are the pots you're growing in, Tim? Uh, they're like, uh, I believe they're uh, maybe five gallons. Okay. What color? I mean, they're big pots. This is this is an odd question, but what color are they? The color of the pot? Yeah, they're uh, white, black, green. 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 Dark green or light green? Dark green. <laughs> you think I'm leading you on to something that's on joke or something, Tim. Really and truly, this could be part of, not all of, but part of the problem because the heat of tomato roots, well, if they get real hot, they stop absorbing nutrients. They stop doing what they need to do. And uh. so if you have particularly black pots, now dark green may be a little bit different, but for black pots in particular, um, if the soil temperatures get above 70 some odd degrees, 71 or two degrees, the tomato just stops, just S-T-O-P-S stops growing. Okay. So that's why I'm thinking maybe the green color has a little bit to do with it. It's, again, it's not all the problem, but Possibly, a little bit of it. The okay, lady who um, called earlier about having a big tomato vine and no, no fruit, I think for her it may have been over-fertilizing was her problem. A lot of foliage, a lot of vine growth, but not the, not much fruit growth. And okay. so you sort of check yourself on that, too. Okay. Um, well, and, okay, what, what would be a, another suggestion, then? because um, the actual where I have them, Mm -hmm. uh, and I've been told by my neighbors that there wasn't enough sun to grow tomatoes. And I was like, <laughs> watch this. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, last year, last year I had a really nice Roma tomatoes and had those vines. Actually, it ended up being a vine, another tomato tree. And I had yeah. that thing was probably about 12 feet tall. Wow. And I ended up just laying it over the balcony sure. and it grew tomatoes down into the woods. But I don't have a really a lot of full sun. Mm -hmm. uh, back here on that patio. So, what would what would be maybe another suggestion if you had one? Uh, if you don't have a lot of sun, it was probably shadier this year than it was last year, simply because trees got more leaves on them this year. Okay. If you could move the pots, they're in pots, maybe you'd be able to roll them somewhere so there's a little bit more sun on the leaves of the tomato. Certainly, okay. that's the that's the formula that you want. Leaves equals sugar. Sugar equals fruit. Fruit, fruit means. Right happy you know happy gardener exactly so think about that okay. too okay 
All right. Well, I appreciate your suggestions. And yes. I'll, uh, it's great talking well, to you, Tim. Thanks for the, right. and good luck with your tomatoes. All right. Thank you. We'll see you, man. We got uh, Teresa in Douglasville. Hey, Teresa. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing fine. How can I help? So on Monday, I have a company coming out to pull down the kudzu on my pine trees and to spray the the dirt. And um, Hmm. I just wanted to know what is a a better chemical to use to Hmm. kill the kudzu for at least a year. Because I heard that um, glyphosate, or I think I'm saying it right. Yeah, that's Roundup. Uh huh. That oh goodness, well that's linked to breast cancer. I heard no, that on the that's, Well, that's not true, but uh, <laughs> okay. Lots of things can be bandied about on the on the news and on the internet too, but that's not true. I don't believe you'll find. Um, let's talk about the kudzu though too. What? Would they be spraying on the ground to control kudzu? Because certainly glyphosate, the Roundup stuff, has to be absorbed by leaves. So if they remove the vine and the leaves, then there's nothing. Roundup will not do anything to control the kudzu that's underground at that point. So what are they going to put down? Do you know? Did they say what they're going to put down? Well, I told him specifically I didn't want Roundup, and he okay. said, well, what do you want? And I said, I didn't know, so I'm asking you now. Right, 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 right. Once the, <clears throat> once the people have removed the vines, do you, are they going to do anything to dig up roots in the ground, Teresa? Well, I've been reading and learning more about kudzu, and uh-huh. I thought about that. Do I need to hire a company that will come in and just dig up the earth and get rid of that root? What about your trees, though? I worry that that's going to hurt the trees. Well, I had it sprayed last year by another company, and it it never affected the trees. They just pulled the vines down, Mm -hmm. and they sprayed and got up the growing on the grass. But I live behind this big open area that's just full of kudzu. Wow. So every year it's going to be coming up that hill into my yard. You're right. And you'd rather yeah. not hire people every year. This costs a lot of money to do. <laughs> yeah, oh, about one hundred and fifty. Yeah. yeah, there are. I'm, I'm debating in my mind of what to tell you right now. There are chemicals that are available to professionals, not to the homeowner, but to professionals. There's one called Tordon, and there's a couple more that are used for kudzu control. But again, these are the woodsmen who are out in <clears throat> forests and in pasture land who are trying to control kudzu and the trees around the pasture land. And so they mm-hmm. can use Tordon, which at least a couple more chemicals do not affect the trees, but do hurt broadleaf things and uh, kudzu in particular. So mm-hmm. I don't have anything, Teresa, that a homeowner could buy that you can spray on the kudzu that will eliminate it permanently. When someone calls me here on the show and says, what do I do about kudzu? I say, well, first thing is to cut the vines down. You're doing that already. Second thing, mm-hmm. to always get those any sprouts that come up out of the ground, mow them, chop them, spray them with Roundup, do anything to keep the sprouts from turning green because once you have green sprouts, they're feeding the roots underground, and you're trying to starve the roots underground. So you starve them by, by making sure they don't have any sunshine on the leaves. 
So, mm -hmm. Teresa, there's nothing I can suggest to spray, but I can suggest if it's not too big of an area, get your lawnmower or your machete or whatever, and, uh, <laughs> goats, maybe we need a couple of goats out there, and uh, get the leaves once they sprout back out after these folks have left and pulled everything out of the trees, anything that sprouts back out, go out and chop it or mow it down. Okay, okay. I can do that. All right. If you can do that, then that is the safest thing to do. And there's exercise besides. So you get exercise and control of <laughs> the kudzu. Okay. Well, thank you. Hey, thanks for calling, Teresa. We'll see you soon. It's 718 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. She's good to me, you know she's happy as can be, you know she said so. We're as happy as we can be this morning. We say so. Jason, Ashley, Walter, we're happy this morning. First, let's have a quick weather update from Ackerman Security. Partly cloudy today, high of 89 degrees today and low of 72 overnight. Sunday, scattered thunderstorms possible, high of 85, low of 72. And your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I want to talk to uh, Mary in just a minute. But first, Miriam is in Ackworth and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Miriam, good morning. Hey, good morning. How hey, are you? I'm doing great. What can I do for you? Yeah, so uh, recently um, around our house and even getting into our house, we have seen a uh, worm. It's uh, long like a, like a regular earthworm, except that it has uh, long black stripes going down its body yep. uh, vertically. And then it has a weird flat sort of spade-shaped <laughs> head. Yep. And uh, so just... Wanted to know what it was. Is it harmful? Do we need to do anything to try to get rid of it or just let it be? It is not harmful to you, but earthworms hate it because it is a planaria. And a lot of people, frankly, Miriam, call it uh, the hammerhead worm because it looks so like a flat spade hammer kind of thing out there. Mm -hmm. And these slimy looking worms are earthworm predators. There's not a lot of them, so it's not like the earthworm population is in any danger. But on the other hand, they're weird and creepy, and they don't do much of any good to anybody else. So if you want to put salt on it or smack it with your uh, shoe or something like that, go ahead. They okay. like If you remember from high school, planaria were those little creatures that if you split them down the middle, they would divide and make it into two new creatures. A planaria mm -hmm. would do that. I don't know if these particular planaria will do that or not. If you smash it into five pieces, if it makes five more planaria, like tribbles or trivids or whatever they were on science fiction. But nonetheless, as I say, it's not going to hurt you, but earthworms are scared of it. Okay, so that's the only harm is to the, to the earthworms. To my knowledge, that's it, right there. Okay, perfect. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, Miriam, thanks for calling. Anybody, Alrighty, wants bye -bye. To, anybody wants to see a picture of these hammerhead worms, I can't remember what I titled the webpage on my website, but you go to Planaria. That's good enough. P-L-A-N-A-R-I-A, -A -A, Planaria. On WalterReeves.com, see a picture of these weird-looking creatures. Mary is in Lilburn and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hi, Mary. What are you seeing? Oh, I'm seeing awful little tiny worms on my cucumber plant. What color are they? Yellow with 
black spikes. Ah. <laughs> so even though they are on your cucumber plant, they are Mexican bean beetles. Mm. They feed on squash, cucumbers, and beans. And those yellow, they're not worms exactly because they're not long, but they're yellow and they're no, bright they're yellow. Not. You know how bright they are because you saw them very clearly on the leaf oh, of yes. your cucumber. <laughs> um, so this is the larval form of the Mexican bean beetle, which basically looks like a, a ladybug. If you find ladybugs that are chewing on your leaves, those are bad creatures. Yes. creatures. Those are Mexican bean beetles chewing on the leaves of the cucumber, the squash, and the beans. But fortunately, well, these yellow dudes, they don't but... move. So get, put some gloves on your hand, or if you're real brave like I am, just squash them. Just squash them. Anytime you see them or the yellow eggs underneath the leaves, turn the leaves over, and you'll see a bunch of little yellow eggs all over the bottom of the leaf, oh. and they can be squashed or brushed off, too. I've been doing squashing them, but they really are getting ahead of me. I mean, every day I go out, and I find six or seven or eight of them. Wow. It's crazy. Well, they're there somewhere, and the look for again for the adults too, because the adults are laying the eggs, are leading to the larvae, which are you know the whole process there. So make sure you don't have any adults to control them. The adults two... are are look like don't they look like uh, ladybugs? Yeah, just like they're ladybugs. They're yellow and yeah, I would call them dark orange, but yellow orange, sure. Yeah, and yeah, I I've seen those and. They don't stay around long because I kill them. Oh, well, good for you. Well, if you want to spray, if you just have to spray something, it's not easy to control beetles. Hard-shelled insects like bean beetles and Japanese beetles and things like that are tough yeah. to control. Seven is probably the one, seven, or it's a competitor called eight. <laughs> so either one of those will okay. uh, kill the bean beetles pretty readily. So just be sure okay. to get underneath leaves as best you can because that's yeah, where the eggs are. You want to kill those too. I go out there every day, and every, I mean, every day I kill a bunch. Yeah, well, you know, I was a kid. We used to pick uh, potato bugs off the potato plants, and my dad would give me a nickel for a pint jar full of them. So <laughs> find a little 8-year-old well, kid to I pick bean beetles. somebody will give me a nickel for every jar. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to do that. I was considering you finding a child who wanted a nickel for every jar. Uh, or, we don't have any little children. Well, we a, have grandchildren, and they're far away. Well, maybe it. you can find somebody run around to elementary school or church or someplace <laughs> like that. Don't kidnap any children. I did not say oh, that, okay. Mary. I know. I know. Invite them. Put a sign by the front, by the driveway that says, um, Bean Beetle Picker Needed, uh, paying nickel <laughs> top prices or something like that. Advertise oh, for them. good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, it's great talking to you. Okay, go out and squash you. some more beetles. They are certainly go out there waiting for you to come out with your thumb and forefinger. Just mash them real hard. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. 404-872-0750. You can take Mary's place and ask your weird question about your weird insects this morning. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.35 at News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape. However you define success, you tell me, we'll get you there somehow. 
404-872-0750 is our number. Mary in Roswell joins us. Hey, Mary, good morning. Good morning. This is a follow-up from last Saturday. Okay. My landscaper removed the azalea bush that was had the copper leaves that exactly. was dead. He uh, observed that there the the foliage is very dense. Right. The plants are spaced, but the foliage is so dense, and he observed lace bug. Ah, okay. That I can deal with. <laughs> the copper leaf, I just couldn't figure out what was going on there. But lace bugs, we got a cure for that pretty quickly. Uh, and frankly, now is the time to do it because we don't have flowers on the azaleas right now. And the way that I want you to control them, or the easiest way for me to control them, is using a systemic insecticide that can hurt pollinators, but with no flowers, we don't worry too much about them. So you do one of the, let's say, Bonide systemic granules is one product, or the Bayer tree and shrub is another product, Mary, and follow the directions of how to apply it on the Bayer stuff. You pour it on the ground and drench it and uh, wash it in, and that makes the sap toxic and kills the lace bugs dead. You wouldn't uh, cut back the greenery, the foliage, sir? Well, if there's any greenery on it, green means photosynthesis is, is happening. And if you feel like they're just ugly, yeah, go ahead and cut it back. There's plenty of time for the foliage to re regroup and regrow and make nice green leaves that don't have the copper or the yellow uh, stippling on them. If you want to leave the leaves on there, I'm not going to care. There's still the growth will come out pretty quickly and will cover over the leaves that are looking sort of weird now. Mm -hmm. Your choice. Either way, well, cut it back or not. Either way, but use the systemic to kill the lace bugs, and that'll end that story right quickly. Well, thank you so much. Thank All right. you. Thanks for calling, Mary. Bye. Let's go to the phones. We got uh, who's next here? HB in Atlanta, GA. HB, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Walter, I'm still working on my St. Augustine lawn. <laughs> All right. And the question is, how long after I spray my weeds with my Roundup mm -hmm. do I need to wait before I put the plugs in? Mm, and the label says six days or seven days. Why are you not reading the label HB and finding out for yourself? It's got to say that on the label. What? Well, because my bottle is about two years old, Walter, and the label has long since disappeared. I know exactly what you mean. They get all sort of rotten and sort of curl up and fall off. You think, I know that's Roundup in that bottle, but you can't remember what to do with it. Yeah, it's, it's either six or seven days, one or the other, HB. And, and let me ask you this, Walter. Is that saying that the soil then is would be tested negative for Roundup? Actually, the way Roundup works, the glyphosate molecule is very um, fragile, for lack of a better word. It, Roundup works very specifically to do one thing, and it does that thing very well. It, it keeps a protein from being made in a plant's um, uh, leaf, and that protein is not present in humans or mammals or birds or anybody else. So that's why Roundup is very specific for plant control, plant killing. And so the molecule itself is very fragile, and so when it hits uh, soil or water even, or even exposed much to the sunshine, the molecule breaks apart. And once it's broken apart, it no longer hurts anything. It doesn't hurt grass or things you spray it on. It doesn't hurt people either. And so the half-life on Roundup in soil is not very long, but the effective life of it in soil is, like I said, five days, six days maybe. Okay. So right. it's not gonna, it, you can still detect the 
the broken particles of the molecule in the soil for another, I don't know, couple of weeks or so, but they're not affected. They don't work any, they don't harm plants. That's what I'm trying to say here. Don't harm the plants in the soil. Walter, one more quick question then. Do you pull the dead stuff back up or can you just hoe it down? Hoe it down. No reason to pull it up unless you just feel like you want to because it makes it prettier, neater, or something like that. Thank you, Walter. All right, HB. Thanks for calling. Let's see you, man. We've got, uh, let's see, Sue is in Dunwoody. Hey, Sue, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question about pH and zoysia. Sure. Now, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask you permission (laughs) to not do what you would recommend. All right. This is testing. I think you want me to get a soil sample. But this zoysia is thriving. Mm -hmm. It's been in for four years. And I think I heard you say one time that you really can't go wrong adjusting the pH every few years. So could I just go ahead and put, I've got 700 square feet, not, <laughs> not large at all. I think that would be about 28 pounds of lime. And I'm wondering if I could go ahead and do that without a soil sample. Uh, let me hold my hand out and put it on top of your head, Sue. I'll put it on top of the <laughs> microphone right here. Bless you, my daughter. Yes, you may go ahead and do what you want to do there. Terrific. Uh, lime, in, when it's applied to the soil, lime is opposed by what's called the buffering agency of the soil, meaning the soil keeps lime from changing pH very rapidly over time. So if you put 40 pounds per thousand square feet or less, you're not going to hurt anything okay. and you will affect the pH just a little bit. It won't be anything to make the zoysia die. It won't make it thrive and grow six feet tall either. But uh, you could put 40 pounds per thousand or you did the math to find out 28 pounds for your 800 square feet. Right. Um, and it's not going to hurt anything and it'll adjust the pH just a little bit because over time as you fertilize, as acid rain comes down, as mm. organic things break down in the soil, they tend to acidify the soil. And this little bit of 28 pounds per thousand or 28 pounds per 800 that you're putting down will just adjust the pH back up again by a tenth or two tenths of a point. So, yeah, I think you're fine. Thank you for your permission. permission. That's granted. just what I wanted to hear. <laughs> no, that's what you wanted to hear. Permission yeah. granted. So okay. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Bye. Permission granted. If you need permission to do something, I'll tell you whether it's a strange, crazy thing to do and you take your own risk or whether I think, eh, it wouldn't hurt anything to do that. Let's see. All right, let's go to the phones. Who we got next coming kind of up here? We got Valerie in Monroe. Valerie, join us on Lawn and Garden. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Hi. A few weeks, well, in March, you told me to put about 40 pounds of 10, 10, 10 down on my pecan tree. All right. Moved to Monroe. These are really old trees, and they looked terrible when I moved in, and I wanted to help help them. Okay. So I did that. Okay. So I have nice big leaves, just beautiful tree. Both trees are just covered in leaves. Now they have black spots on them. Huh. We don't like that, do we? No, we don't. We It's a fungus, right? Possibly. There's a fungus called scab that makes spots on leaves and on the uh, nuts, too. So possibly you have scab, yeah. Um, what to do? Pray for a dry spring. Once you Next get year. a grown tree like that, Valerie, there's no way to spray. Mm-hmm. Down in South Georgia, they have these big pressurized sprayers. They can go 50 feet in the air with this spray there. 
But what does Valerie have? A water hose? Not much else. You can't spray the top of the tree, and just spraying the bottom five or ten feet is not going to help anything. So bottom line, you hope for a dry spring that keeps the fungus from spreading very fast. You'll have some good years where you won't have much scab at all. You'll get a lot of pecans. You'll have some years like perhaps this year where you'll have just a few that will fall out of the tree and be able to be eaten. But most of the shucks will be covered in black spots, and you won't get any pecan from them at all. Will this kill the tree? No. There's there's pecan trees all over Georgia that have survived for 50 years with scab. They just haven't given many pecans, and the squirrels don't like them anymore, but scab won't kill it, no. All right, that's that's what I needed to know. Thank you. You know, the fertilization, Valerie, you did a good thing by fertilizing because certainly that increases the energy level of the tree itself. And anytime mm-hmm. a tree has more energy and more sort of resources to fight off things that are attacking insects and diseases as well, that's a good thing. So you did the right thing by fertilizing. You might want to, you know, not not might want to, you do want to continue doing that every year to make sure the tree is nice and healthy. Do I want to put down another 40 pounds of uh, Let's see. Fertilizer? Did, we, did we measure how wide the trunk was last time you and I talked? Yes, you told me to measure it, and what I figured up was uh, 40 pounds was Mm -hmm. what I needed for these two trees. Did you just do it one time when you moved in? How long ago was that? Uh, Last March. We need to do it again. What's your recipe? Um, Um, A pound of 10-10-10 per inch of trunk thickness. One pound per inch. Per inch of trunk thickness. So you must have measured to find you had a total of about 40 inches of trunk thickness between the two trees. You said, okay, 40 pounds of 10, 10, 10 scattered all out underneath the drip line of the tree, and that's how you feed them. And by the way, I have beautiful grass. I'm glad to hear that. I'm sure that grass appreciated <laughs> the 10, 10, 10 a lot. Okay. It sure right. did. So it won't hurt to put down another 40 pounds. Not this year. If you last time you did it, was, did you say March of last year or March of this year? No, March of this year. Oh, I misunderstood, Valerie. I'm sorry. Um, even then, I think you can do two apps in a year, but maybe a little bit later than right now. Now it's just June. Okay. Mm, go online. Go to my website, Valerie. Go to WalterReese.com and read the thing about pecans. I've got a page on pecans and pecan fertilization. Make sure I'm right about that. Okay, I'll check it. Thank right. you. Thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. Bye. 404 is the number right there that Valerie dialed just a couple of minutes ago. we got Dion in Covington. Hey, Dion, good morning. Good morning. What can I do for you? My question is, I planted daffodils in a large pot yep. on the deck. I have dug up those daffodils and put in a tomato plant. Don't know what kind it is. A friend gave it to mm-hmm. me. My question is, number one, what do I do with these daffodil bulbs if I want to save them to replant next year and number two could i have left the daffodils in the pot and then planted the tomato on top it's a large pot 20 inches wide the answer to the first for the to the second question is yes you could have left it in the pot and the answer to the first question is you plant them somewhere in another pot or out, out in the front yard or someplace you want to have daffodils next uh, next spring can I just leave them in a bag in the refrigerator? No, because they're new. They'll dry out, and they won't look good at all when you plant them in the fall. They should be planted now. Oh, okay. It's much better to keep bulbs in the ground unless there's a real tender bulb that freezes, for instance, in the wintertime. We won't do that. But uh, daffodil bulbs are perfectly cold-hardy, so I'd put them back in the ground and let that be that. And just mark them and remember where they are. That's the biggest thing you have to do, Dion, is remember where did I plant those darn things? Was it over there? Was it over there? I don't know. And then you 
which is shovel in the ground and plant a shrub. And all of a sudden you say, oh, that's where I planted the daffodils. Here's a half one right here that I sliced with the shovel. Yeah, I remember now. Exactly. All right. Well, I guess that answers my question. Now, one more thing. If I had put the uh, left them in the pot and put yeah. the um, tomato in there, tomato on top, I yeah. read or heard somewhere where tomatoes had to be planted very deep. Mm, not always. Is it, okay, I was going to say because it's it, the pot's about eighteen inches tall, twenty inches wide. You could have planted the tomato not deep at all, or just you know where you cover the root ball. And the tomato would be fine. The planting them deeply is sort of an old wives' tale, and there's other things you think about before planting it deeply. So I don't think I'd worry about planting the tomatoes right on top of the bulbs. If you want to do that next year, that'd be fine. All right, good. Well, thank you so much. That's great my questions. Thanks for calling, Dion. Okay, bye-bye. It's 747 at News Talk WSB, and we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. Somebody that sounds like I sound from Saturday morning. So I'm horse on Saturday morning here. Well, a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, the high today, around 89 degrees, low overnight 72, partly cloudy. Tomorrow, scattered thunderstorms possible, high of 85, low of 72. And your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. As you can tell, I am having fun this morning. Sharon in Roswell joins us. Hey, Sharon, good morning. Good morning, Walter. A few weeks ago, you talked about your redbud tree and how you used a bucket yep. to water it. Can you go into more detail, like what kind of bucket, how many holes, and how often? It's a white, <laughs> white uh, five-gallon bucket that I found next to the street and took to my house. And I took a drill and drilled a quarter-inch hole um, on the side right close to the bottom, the half an inch maybe from the bottom of the bucket. And so I placed the bucket next to my new redbud tree, which I do not want to lose because it costs so much money. And every day or two or three, usually every couple of days, I will look and see if the leaves are a little bit droopy, a little bit dry, if it hasn't rained for a couple of days, and I fill it full of water. And five gallons of water slowly dribbles out of that quarter-inch hole in the bottom of the bucket, and the leaves all perk up real good, and the redbud smiles at me, and I leave it alone for the next couple of days. That's what I do. So, but when it's raining, as much as it's been raining, you don't have to do that. I haven't that watered it in probably four or five, Sharon, I'm guessing. It's been a while. It's been a little while because it has rained just about every afternoon in my house right, right. for five minutes or 20 minutes or something like that. You get the heavy or those light rainstorms, a lot of thunder off in the distance, you know. But uh, you just, I just keep an eye on the leaves, and I check them every day. But if they look pretty perky in the morning and pretty perky in the afternoon, they don't need watering that day. Oh, good. And also, quickly, um, I've got gladiolas that are multiplying. Yeah, good. When can I transplant those? Well, they've finished blooming pretty much, haven't they? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, as soon as the last one has finished uh, blooming, then take a shovel and a 
a wheelbarrow, really, and shovel up the earth around where your gladiolus have been growing and dump all that dirt and the shovel into the wheelbarrow and then go through it with your fingers, you'll find little bitty cormels, which are little right. bitty gladiolus yeah. bulbs in there. They're BB size, some of them, English B size, others. And if you can move those to a bed where you don't expect any flowers for at least a year, they will eventually grow into gladiolus bulbs within a couple of years, and then they'll bloom for you. So moving and digging and sorting out the little cormels, you can do it as soon as the last flower is finished. And they, they do have to be in sun, is that correct? They love to be in sun. And I don't know about you, Sharon, but mine always flop over, so mine are usually against yeah. something that they'll hold them up, a fence yeah, or mine too. Mine another too. shrubbery or something. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Have fun, Sharon. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. 56 minutes past the hour. I bet we've got time for Carrie here. Carrie's in Forsyth and calls us this morning. Carrie, good morning. Hey, Walter. Hey, man. What's up? Hey, I've uh, tried all the chemicals listed on your website to kill nuts, edge, and my Bermuda lawn, but it basically just turns yellow, and then a few weeks it's all back green and growing again, so... Not sure what I'm doing wrong. I don't know if it's too hot or the wrong season, but I can't get it to die. Uh, Sedge Hammer works great. Is that one you've used, Sedge Hammer? No, that's the only one I haven't used, only because it's too expensive, but I've used all the other ones. <laughs> I said it's going to be cheap, Kerry. <laughs> uh, grab some Sedge Hammer. The other, the. Um, what is it? Weed Beater Ultra that uh, Pike sells, the Bonide Weed Beater Ultra, I think has uh, nuts edge on the label for it as well. So if you haven't used right. the Weed Beater Ultra, check the label for that. But Sedgehammer would be the, the expensive last resort. Okay, and it doesn't, so it doesn't matter the temperature outside or the season or anything? To my knowledge, not. But, you know, read the label. Find out if it says don't do it over 90 degrees, then... See what Kirk says that afternoon, and don't do it over 90 degrees. And be sure to water it in. Most every all of these chemicals basically are absorbed by the roots of the nutsedge, so it has to be watered in. Not hard these days because it rains every other day. But if it does turn dry after you apply the chemical, be sure and irrigate it in so it does get down into the roots. All right, I'm going to have to break out my wallet, then. <laughs> That's right, Gary. Drive safely, friend. Appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Coming up in the next half hour, Paul up in Gainesville has a vinca that has root rot under a maple tree. Peg and Tucker wants to kill some mimosa trees. I'll help her with doing that. Aaron in Cumming wants to transplant knockout roses. And Norman in Loganville has brown rot on his peaches. What to do about that? You may have a question as well. Our number is 404 872 We'll be back after news.